And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. This episode is dedicated to the great Matt Hoyt. Rest in power, friend. Hi, Pat. This is Joe Plummer. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I know. Um, sorry I've been bothering you so much about getting tour story, but you said you had a couple, and uh, to give you a call? Um, probably right n- not right now, just because I got a couple things I have to do. Uh, my wife purchased some Yorkshire slabs uh, from someone in Wales on the Facebook marketplace, you know? So I got to go okay, take those. And uh, okay. they, they weigh about four or 500 pounds each, so I might be kind of tired for okay. a couple of days. <laughs> for a couple of days. Um, all right, yeah, well, it's bad because I mean, it's, just, it's like a four-hour drive, and, yeah. you know, they don't make these things. They're hard to get, so you got to go – 
where okay. you got to go to find them. And they really have okay. Time, so. All right. Well, you you seem like maybe you're shining me a little bit. I would love to do it. Maybe you call me. I'm just not sure because I have. Okay. When do you need this thing by? Uh, Sunday maybe. Sunday. Okay. Wait. Let's, let me check one thing. Hold on one second. Okay. God. Oh. Wait, no. You know what? You know what I have to do Sunday? Um, my son, he plays football. Like, you know, we're in England. And uh, yeah, the yeah. parents, they have to volunteer for different positions. And I can't do the, the Lions position because I'm dyslexic. You know, the people get really angry with me because I you know, do it okay. backwards. But um, I'm actually a respect marshal, so I have to wear a vest that says respect marshal on it. And... Um, I have to stop people from kind of screaming at the kids getting fights. Oh. It's about okay. respect, All right. right? Um, okay. But actually, you know what, actually? I, you know, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't want to bring this up, Joe, but um, you know touring, right? You, we've been on tour together well, many times. Yeah. Um, you've been on tour. Yeah. Um, you, you ever recall there's, there's a rule about touring? Do you know this rule? Well, I guess you don't because you're doing a whole show about it, right? The rule is, well, that, um, yeah, you know what happens on the road? Where does it go? It stays on the road. Are you aware oh, of that rule? Okay, I'll just give you. I gotta think about this because, you know, I've gotten a lot of trouble for photographing people eating ice cream before and. Um, Things like that, and I'm just afraid if I say the wrong thing, so I have to call a few people and ask them. Ice cream. Before okay, all right, so, all right. Um, maybe, all right. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it's good talking to you. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad you're doing okay. Um, okay, and, all uh, right. Good luck with the show. Um, okay. Thanks. Hey. Pat Graham is a seasoned rock and roll photographer whom I toured with extensively during my time with Modest Mouse. In this episode, Pat tells us what it's like to have an emergency tooth extraction in East Berlin and shares his experience touring with Modest Mouse pre-Lonesome Crowded West. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour Stories. You know, as a photographer, you know, starting out taking pictures of bands on stage, performing, which I was obsessed with a little bit too much, and then realizing it's taking the same picture, so I wanted to go out in the road and really capture the essence of a musician on the tour. Um, so did that with Miles Mouse, and then got the opportunity to go to um, Europe with, first it was, yeah, it was the makeup first. I went to Europe. You know, this is 1997, 98. So this is kind of pre-internet, pre-no smartphone. This is actually in Europe. There was still, everyone had different currencies. And of course, you know, driving around touring, it was a like a five-speed sprinter van, you know, the Mercedes van, which I did for, you know, the first tour with uh, makeup was quite interesting because I didn't realize it had five speeds. I found out on the um, highway in Amsterdam when uh, James was like, you know, there's uh, five speeds on this thing when it's I'm driving. It's like, <laughs> so anyways, uh, that was like at the beginning. And then going into a dark club and trying to figure out how much 25 gilda is to $10 and various changes and very, it was insane. So I got June of 44 was going on tour in Europe. And this is about a year later. And I was like, Oh, well, Pat's driven around there. He knows he can go 
drive and help sell merch. And I was like, excellent. I got another opportunity to photograph bands, photo, be with my friends, hang out, which we all love doing. Um, whenever I'm going on a big trip, I always get nervous about something, not always, but make sure that your teeth are all okay. Like you don't want to get a tooth problem when you're traveling, you know, it's not good. You know, this time I thought, well, I feel like a little something because I had this capped tooth that had been repaired a few times, but I just kind of ignored it. And then, uh, so I joined up with the tour, you know, that we started in London and then we ended up in, you know, we're driving around Europe. And as we drove or as I drove, I did most of the driving or a lot of the driving. Every day my tooth started getting a little bit more sore. And I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. I don't like this, but get some aspirin couple of drinks that's fine but then, you know the pain started building and then it got to a point where I was like I had to tell them I didn't want to like you know bum the tour out or anything but I was like you know this is really starting to hurt a lot and my face was starting to kind of swell up a little bit so the pain was getting pretty strong and then I realized I thought well I can get good strong painkillers because we're in Europe but I was kind of mistaken because you can get strong painkillers in England, you know, with codeine, all of that, but you can't get that in Europe that easily. He couldn't at the time. So the pain is getting really bad. And we're in Germany somewhere. I think we're about to go into Berlin. I just remember driving and not being able to say a word. I'm on the Autobahn, you know, driving over a hundred miles an hour with like Jeff Mueller next to me. And I'm just like looking straight ahead, like in so much pain, my eyes are kind of welling up with a tear and Jeff is like oh man oh yeah we got you know we gotta figure this out I was like yeah so we get to Berlin we arrive lots of bread cheese Nutella the usual delicious treats and it's kind of squat like and then you know we got the promoter and everyone's like yeah you gotta help our friend Pat out he's got a really bad toothache I'm like, well, how bad is it? So I'm like, it's really bad. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna, we're going to take you to the emergency dentist. I'm like, okay. So I get in the car with the promoter of the van. We're driving. And I realize, you know, this is, it's, we're going, we're kind of East Berlin. We're going towards the East Berlin side. And, you know, the wall had already come down at that point. And we get to the dentist, the place. We get in there and um, and I look around and the people around me waiting are all, most of them are crying. Some of them are bleeding. Um, I can literally hear from the dentist beyond the door screaming, like screams coming from there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I'm at this whole time, I'm in a lot of pain as well. And I was like, I'm hoping to just get in there and get some kind of pain medication for this. And, and we're waiting for, like, hours. And, like, people are literally coming out of the door would open. And then the next person would come out, like, going, like crying I'm not exaggerating and I was like oh and then finally it gets to like you know it's dark now and there's no one left I'm pretty much the last person to go in and then someone walks through the door with their kid and the kid is like also screaming I was like go ahead you know so let them take my spot they come out and it's my turn to go in I go in and I look, and there's the chair, and I sit down. I look over at the dentist, and this is, like, totally true, but, like, so cliche. It's like, he gets some, out some rubber gloves, puts the rubber gloves on over these large, hairy hands. And he's this big guy. And then uh, we're looking, you know, there's the nurse, and there's 
open your mouth, you know, so mouth, they're poking around, ah, like, ah, ah. And then uh, he gave me a shot, and then he just starts talking to the person I'm with, and they're going back and forth. And then, like, what he says, yes, uh, it's an infection. It's really bad. <laughs> I was like, okay. He's going to give you some pain pills or something and something to fix it. And I was like, okay. But then they're talking back and forth for a while. I was like, okay. And then I left and I thought, okay, it's going to be all right. Get the pain pills, go to the gig. Like, yeah, it's getting better. Next morning, I wake up excruciating pain, like really bad again. Take the things and I'm like, what is this? You know, and it's like, oh, it's just like, you know, it's like aspirin or something. It wasn't even that strong. So then we had to go to Cologne uh, and we get there. And again, I'm like, I got to go to the, you know, to the dentist, emergency dentist. Get taken. This one, there was, this is like a Sunday night. So there was no one around. It was like someone's, a real dentist. You know, it was a dentist where it wasn't. I didn't feel like I was, you know, in East Berlin. We get in there and he's poking around and he says, well, I can either do emergency surgery right now and remove part of your jaw, or I can just pull this tooth out. And I said, well, pull the tooth out. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, ah, you know, give me plenty of pain medication, get in there and just, you know, pull it out. And I was just, it was the most, I was so relieved. I was like, I didn't care. I was like, and I want that tooth. Gave me the tooth and a little jar, you know, test tube. Went to the gig and I was like, oh yes, much better. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so then um, I had the tooth and then things got a lot better from that point on, you know. And then in the end, the tooth, there was a bar in Washington, D.C. called the Pharmacy Bar. And so I ended up giving them my tooth in the jar so they could, you know, put it in the wall so I could get free drinks whenever I went in there. And it was there for many years. In fact, a friend of mine, it closed, said, oh, yeah, I've got your tooth. And this was about five years ago. I was like, okay, we'll send it over, you know, and then I haven't heard since. So anyways, uh, yeah, there it is. Look, you can see your Oh, yeah, you can see your that you don't have a tooth. Yeah, a large gap. So thank you, uh, June 44. to this point, Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse, who was my roommate in Washington, D.C., and we, uh, you know, this is before he was in a band or a musician. He just started playing, and then you know, we bonded over photography and music 
basically. And then he moved back to Washington, made a band called Modest Mouse. It's one of their first tours, I believe, in April of 1997. And he said, well, why don't you come out and you can take photographs and manage the band, which is kind of funny, me managing the band. Um, so I flew out there and um, got there. And this is also a really weird time. It was t- the time of the Comet Hale-Bopp, this big talk of Hale-Bopp, Comet going overhead. So I got to Washington, uh, Olympia, and met up with Isaac and getting ready to go on this first tour. Isaac was very excited because he had purchased a very large van with wall-to-wall carpet inside and, you know, super long uh, Ford. So he purchased that van. He's getting ready to go. It kept having problems. He kept fixing it. I kept watching him fix it because I couldn't do anything besides take pictures of him. And the, so the first gig of that tour was in Pullman, Washington, which we had to drive from Olympia or Issaquah. We picked up Jeremiah and Eric at their parents' house. They gave them a kiss goodbye. And then we drove to Pullman, Washington. Uh, Miles Moss was playing with Built to Spill. We arrived late and had to load in equipment through the crowd. They got on stage and played. That's fine. You know, kind of got through it. Next day, we were excited because we are going to Chicago. They were going to play the Empty Bottle. We had about four days to get there. It's going to be a cruel, like, you know, road trip. My first time driving across America with friends. Uh, we got in the van the morning after eating started driving and at this point uh, Jeremy had something else to do so he was going to fly out and meet us later and it was just Eric, myself and Isaac and we started driving and as we drove through Washington a little bit of snow started appearing this is in April keep in mind and it was, it was beautiful we thought oh this is really cool driving you know driving through the mountains wherever we hit Montana and it's getting even more beautiful but the snow is picking up it's getting more heavy Started to get a little bit hectic, slowing down. Um, Snow's picking up even more. And we start to see signs everywhere that say, you know, pull over to put your chains on here. I'm like, chains? What is this? Chains? We don't have chains. So as we're driving along and we keep switching and we're stopping at truck stops and we're, you know, Isaac had bought some mini thins, which... You know, if you know what mini thins are, you do. If you don't, I'm not going to go into that. But as we had lots of time to get to Chicago, so we didn't mind and we we're having fun. And we're driving. And Eric's trying to drive, so he's driving. We're coming up over to an overpass, and there's lots of signs that say, beware, overpass may freeze or slippery than the rest of the road or something like that. So we're driving up, and all of a sudden, as we're driving, I was like, have my seatbelt on and my roller cord camera around my neck. And as I took my seatbelt off, I was about to take a picture of the window. I thought it was so beautiful. And all of a sudden, I look over at Eric, and then the whole van starts to slide. And we're sliding, going over this overpass. And we're sliding, and I just look at him, and everything was like slow motion. And all of a sudden, the van completely spins, and we're sliding, and then bam! We like hit the somehow hit the guardrail we were like perpendicular but we smashed into the guardrail it, it the, the whole van stopped and i looked and we could see we we're like right over the edge the guardrail literally stopped us from like going over the edge into the 
traffic below. And I was, it was, we we're just like shocked looking. I remember looking at him, looking at me, and we're like, you're right, you're right. And I was like, huh. And then um, we got out and everyone had stopped behind us and everyone was like, you boys okay, you know, and all this. We're like, yeah. And then our main concern was, okay, now I guess we've got to go get some chains. That's what they mean. We've got to go find chains. So Isaac's like, I'm driving now. Forget, you know. So he gets in, starts the van. He goes to back up and the van goes, it makes this terrible sound, like, because it got bent the wheel or something. But going forward, it was fine. So we drove on. We're looking for chains. Next exit, we find a place. We get the chains installed. We're ready to roll, hit the blizzard. Everything's fine for a moment. All of a sudden, all the snow is gone. There's no more snow on the road. The problem now is the fact that we've got chains on our wheels, which now are against bare highway. And they are rolling and sparks are flying literally from the van. People are pointing at us and flashing their lights. So... We pull, Isaac pulls over to the side of the road and I get my camera, of course, and they get out and then Isaac and Eric are laying down on the side of the road, trying to remove the chains under the van, like in the dirty snow. I'm taking pictures of them, um, which luckily they forgave me for and I have some interesting pictures of it. Uh, get the chains off, so finally, and then we're driving again. This is, you know, this is taking hours, all this shit. And then snow picks up again so it's about i don't know day later so we pull over to have get some food at a truck stop we're eating and we're listening we're hearing the radio in the background and basically all roads in montana are being shut except one road is still open that leads out we're looking at the map because that's all we had was you had to look at the map that's all you could you know you didn't have your phone you had to use maps like the trucker's atlas literally we're using the trucker's atlas this is right before lonesome crowded west had come out and this is before a few songs written for lonesome crowded west we're like we're we're gonna go for it you know we're feeling kind of crazy and we've been up for a day and a half so we hit the road found that one road i'm driving completely pitch black except for headlights and snow it's like hypnotizing it's beautiful we stop occasionally to use the toilet in the middle of the road you know take a pee because there's like no one around and then we just keep driving but then as we're driving the road starts to disappear for moments and it's like you're in a boat and when you hit a wave and it goes poof so you hit you had to accelerate to get through a drift because there's drifts happening keep going and then um we're going slower. I see an object in the middle of the road, and I slow it down because it's right in the middle of the road. Isaac is in the front, and we're looking. We're like, "What is that?" And uh, all of a sudden, we realized it was like a cow. It was standing in the middle of the road, but it it was like frozen. It was not moving, and you could just see it through the snow. And we looked, and it literally looked like, you know, the end scene of uh, The Shining. Jack Nicholson when he's frozen, you know, his face is like ah. it was like that. 
And both of, I just remember my stomach just like flipping because it was so creepy and we're just like, ah. We got back in the van and I just drove around it. We kept going and then I started to feel a little bit trembly, like this is just getting kind of bad. And the roads started disappearing and disappearing. And then all of a sudden the road is gone and we're stuck in the middle of a snowdrift, totally dark and there's no road. And so now what? Get out, decide to try to dig out. Uh, we had no gloves or anything like that because it was April. We got our socks, put them on our hands, and we're trying to dig out and going back and forth. And then there's a piece of the van, you know, like a little bench. We took that out to use it for grip to try to get it under the wheel. And, and then that little piece of the van, it was under the wheel, and it got caught in the wheel, and it just literally flew out the back, and it was like a sled. It went, like, across the snow. And then so Isaac is like, I'm going to go get that thing. So he goes to find it. And then he doesn't come back for a while. It's Eric and I, and we're just like freezing. And then finally he comes back and he said he couldn't find it. And he fell into like a, he stepped into like a river or like some water or something. So he's like all wet because he couldn't see, you know. And we're in there. And then, then the van just dies. It just goes. So we've got no power, no heat, darkness, <laughs> blizzard is still going. And we're like, okay. Um, and then off in the distance behind us, we see headlights through the snow. We're like, somebody's made it. Yes. So we go out, we run through the snow. It's probably the length of a, like a football field to this vehicle. There's a little red car, little red. I think it's like a Ford Mustang or something. And the guy rolls down the window and he's like, well, boys, uh, we're not going anywhere tonight. I barely made it here. You know, you might as well jump in. We're going to have to stay here. You know, like, okay. So we get into this guy's car, and it's filled with, like, cigarette smoke. And uh, Derek is in the front, and Isaac is in the back. And he had, like, Marlboro cigarette gear. Like, at the time, you could smoke Marlboro cigarettes and get points. And then you would get, like, a hat or a jacket. He had everything, and he's, like, chain-smoking. And the car is running, and we're just, my, I remember, I was, my feet were literally frozen. I thought I was going to lose them. I had to take my shoes off. And then Isaac was in the back. He took his pants off because they were completely drenched. He was changed. Finally, we, we woke up. Now there was traffic behind us, huge traffic jam behind us. It was daylight, bright blue sky, our van in the middle of the road, a tractor trying to pull the van out. The tractor then tips over, and so it's getting really bad. Then another farm vehicle comes and finally pulls us out, and we get to it. We're like, this is just crazy. It's not going to start. It starts up. We start driving. And I realized that this road that we're in was like, it was literally like this bare tundra. And like on one side was like cliffs and mountains and all this shit we couldn't see in the dark. So it was just lucky we didn't go off the edge. And as we're driving, I was able to start taking some pictures, you know, and I started taking pictures out the window. And, you know, these are the pictures that you'll, that are on Lonesome Crowded West, actually. And there at one point, I looked forward and there was a, like a buzzard flying through the sky and there was a camper right in front of us. And it, just as it flew, I took the picture, and that was one of the shots on there. And that was just kind of weird and cool that we made it through there. But at the same point, Isaac at that point was driving too fast. And I remember actually yelling at him. I was like, dude, you got to slow down because it was still 
you know, slippery. And we come down this hill and there's vehicles strewn everywhere. And he starts sliding toward this vehicle. He's going to crash. And they got control. And then at this point, the van was overheating. We'd leave the air conditioning on or something crazy. But we got to North Dakota. We found a Jiffy Lube, which was closed. We then spent the night again, but this time we slept in the van in the Jiffy Lube parking lots to wait till they got open so Isaac could get the part. He got the part, fixed it, and we were on our way. And then uh, in the end, we made it to the Empty Bottle in Chicago. I think it was about 1.30 in the morning, and the show was that night. Uh, they played like two or three songs, and then the tour carried on from there, other things happen but that was pretty insane and it was just I realized you know we had all risked our lives and almost died two times in that journey to get to the empty bottle where there was no one there really and then the following day or night was in Beloit Wisconsin and there was like six people there with a 12 pack of Milwaukee's best beer it's like you know this is dedication this is what it's about anyways you know that was the how, and to this day, I talk to Isaac about this or Eric. We just we reaffirm each other that it, this really happened. We're like, did this? Yeah, this did happen. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, it's so much a part of to me that record, kind of that journey and the artwork and everything. It was really uh, and it was just so intense. It was just so um, the dedication and the just not even thinking we're going to go home or it's like we're going to get to the show you know this is the it's important <laughs> so and i remember on that same trip you know i'd be in the front driving or passenger eric would be driving and literally isaac would be in the back with his guitar with like some cushions over his head or whatever writing songs and playing and doing all of that stuff and yeah it was really cool so we after we made it through the overnight thing and everything we stopped the edge of montana or north dakota wherever it was to get some more food at like a diner or a truck stop and we got our food more as we're eating we could hear overhear conversations of the truckers around us and one of them said to the other one was like yeah what the hell happened this morning and, and i was like some dumb sons of bitches thought they could try to get through last night in the blizzard and there was a traffic jam for like 25 miles. Thanks to Pat for the story, and thanks to you for listening. If you like Tour Stories, please subscribe. And don't forget about our companion episode, The Check-In, all at ruinousmedia.com slash tour stories.